0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Marketing in Times of Recovery. I'm your host, Iowa Bass, a built environment marketing consultant who delivers strategy, content, and campaigns for major firms. I first heard today's guest on a podcast last year, and she has been on my wish list since then. She is Eben Faulkner at, from SOM, and she's based in New York. This is a fascinating interview as we unpick how large firms handle and manage marketing in BD. Eben's quest to demystify business development and how she's working on a long-term strategy to embed it across her firm. We also touch on how she leads her marketing team and what it's like to start a new role during a global pandemic. If you like the show and you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you hit the subscribe button and also give us a five-star rating if you can, because it really does help more people to find out about us. Anyway, this episode was recorded on Thursday, June 3rd, 2021. And now... I'll stop talking so you can settle down and enjoy the show.
1: My name is Evan Faulkner. I'm the Global Leader of Marketing and Business Development at Skidmore Owens & Merrill, SOM. And uh, I have been in this role since August of last year. And um, I lead a... 35 person global team uh primarily uh located in our larger we've you know marketing and business development team in our larger offices uh but we we work globally. it's a great it's a great group
0: and in terms of the kind of marketing and beauty team what what kind of things do you cover
1: uh it's a good question so uh I would say our team is primarily focused on working on things like proposals and qualifications packages and marketing collateral to support uh, meetings with with potential clients, that sort of thing. Um, But we're also getting more and more involved with uh, creating and implementing our business plans uh, and getting more involved with um, supporting and partaking in, in, I would say, broader business development activities.
0: Fantastic. And in terms of your role, so you started in August 2020, which is obviously during yes. a global pandemic. How yes. was that?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, I it's funny. I was talking with a friend yesterday who also started. She's in a new role in a marketing role, and and she started two months ago. And we were kind of trading war stories, is maybe too dramatic, <laughs> uh, but trading notes on on how it went. And I said, you know, both of us had the uh, We're lucky enough to start a ways into the pandemic where everyone had gotten used to Zoom, where some of the all the complexities of working from home, not that they're gone away, but we're at least all we're used to them and we kind of settled into our our new routines. So I joked that I would rather actually have started uh, mid-pandemic rather than two months before. So you know, imagine getting starting two months before, and you think you know what everything's going to look like, and then all of a sudden, everyone's <laughs> working from Christmas. home. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in in a way, uh, in a way, that has you know, there's a, there's always a way that it could be harder. And so I I, I think <laughs> I think that you know it was it was actually it was it was okay. I it shifted how I thought about engaging with my colleagues and my team because I knew I had to be much more deliberate about getting to know people and, and getting to know people virtually. Uh, so I, I, that was very clear in my first two months. I, I really prioritized that having, you know, having meetings, getting to know the, the leadership, the broadly across the firm where we didn't necessarily have an agenda. Uh, it was really just a get to know you session. And frankly, I'm, I'm still doing those. There's still, there's still, it's a more a 1200 person firm. There's still lots of people for me to get to know. And how uh, do but you I get think to kind of, know someone. Well, you know, it's funny. I maybe because we've just all gotten used to everything being over zoom, i uh, I don't think it's actually hard to build rapport as long as you are intentional about taking that time and saying, okay, I know we might have an agenda for this meeting, but let's take fifteen minutes or and doesn't that, <laughs> it doesn't have to be so formal about it, but let's just also have some time in the beginning where we're yeah. just talking. And you know then the other thing about, of course, people working from home is that you can, their lives encroach oh, upon the sure. call. Yeah, right. You'd be like, oh, like, what's, you know, tell me about that <laughs> toy truck behind you kind of thing. And, and you know, my kid would pop up, you know, anyone who's at a uh, 9 a.m. call with me, my daughter goes to daycare, but usually around 9 a.m. So usually there's like a little head that pops up at some point here and, and <laughs> she likes to say hi to my colleagues. Yeah. So she's she's three, but she knows the word colleagues because I talk about it, my colleagues, a lot. Uh, that's, so, you, that's you know, there's a good that. Word. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a good word. It's a big word for a little, little person, but, but I, I use it a lot. I talk about them a lot. Um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I, I don't know. It's the same way I've always thought about business development here. This is now I'm going to segue quite gracefully. <laughs> same way I think about business development, which is nice. that you're not just having a conversation with a potential client because you want them to hire you. Like, yes, that's a goal, but it, the, the real goal is to connect with them as people. And and so on any, on any call I'm having with my colleagues, I I want to get to know them as people. I want to understand how, you know, what matters to them, what's challenging for them, how they've worked with my team in the past, yeah. uh, how that's gone, what we could do better, you know, what's what's standing in their way, and then have, like, really interesting conversations about that. Uh, but really, you know, I, I want to know what they're like. And, and if we were in an office, I would have... Um, that sort of stuff usually happens over, you know, a cup of coffee in the kitchen and you kind of chat about yeah, the yeah. day or what you did over the, over the weekend. And I, I just, I try to still do that on these calls. Uh, and that means sometimes they take a little bit longer, uh, which is fine. Um, just I enjoy it. I enjoy the cool the moment, isn't it. Yeah. 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 And, and you asked, I mean, you At asked you asked how, like, how does that affect, um, you know, getting to know, like working globally. I mean, one thing that I've observed, which is quite interesting is under normal circumstances, I would be visiting all of our offices every, uh, every year. And obviously I didn't do yeah. that. I've met, I've gone to none of our offices, not even our New York office. And what, what it has meant though, is that I've actually gotten to know the global team equally well, uh, I think I know yep. if, if, if we had been in person, I would have gotten to know our New York marketing and business development team very well, very quickly. And it might've, I might've held back on, or we all might've held back a bit on making those relationships with my team in Chicago or my team in London, uh, because it'd be yep. like, Oh, well, let's wait until let's wait until I visit. And then, and then we can have coffee and get to know you all that stuff. But because, because I've been doing this with everyone, I, have made a point and it's been really enjoyable to, to get to know, you know, everyone at this, uh, kind of in the same level. Um, what, what, what I don't, um, what what I'm very aware of is that I, I don't get to know. So I, I have a group of really smart managers that, uh, who, who who report to me and they have, for most part, they have their own teams. I haven't gotten to know those teams as well as I would have liked. So I've I've been trying to you know make a point of having we've been calling them coffees, but it's just a Zoom meeting because everything's a Zoom meeting. But just kind of a chance just to have forty five minutes to an hour area. with them, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 talk with them and but have I'm the sure. same kind of open get to know you conversations with that group as I have with as I've gotten to have with the with the managers.
0: But I guess having such a kind of open agenda must be quite refreshing for people, isn't it? Because you're used to meetings being quite. I guess linear aren't they that's kind of how you run them right but actually yeah. having the wider discussions and and just going wherever that discussion goes must be quite freeing in a way right
1: yeah and I you know of course I also have meetings where it's like we have we have you know things we need to decide and and stuff nah. we have to cover <laughs> uh, but I I also I, I try to intersperse that with meetings where it's just kind of like tell me tell me what's happening and and um, you know, I, I had a call the other day with our director, a director who runs our interiors practice and just kind of checking in, like what's, what's working, what's not, how, you know, how can, how can I be of yeah. help? How can my team, uh, be of help? And it was just very open-ended and, uh, and to have those over time and to be able to come back to it, like, oh, I remember you told me that, that this issue, we're still working on that. And we haven't totally figured it out, but we're kind of chipping it away, chipping away at with, with, with in these three ways, uh, uh, is nice. And it's very, it's a big, it's a shift for me because I came, I, I've come from being very client facing very much kind of leading the business development efforts for a certain market. And, uh, so I would always, my deadlines would be, I would be very aware of our proposal deadlines are, you know, when we're meeting with that particular client and, and And now my, yeah. And now my, my projects are like one year and five year projects. And, uh, and so there's a, it's a different tempo, uh, which is, which is a change. It's, I, I'm, I, it's a welcome change, but I also, sometimes I do miss the, you know, there is deep satisfaction of, of putting together a strong proposal and sending it out the door and being like, cross that off the list. I did it. Now I, it. I can go home. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I do, I do I kind of to say, but- miss that sometimes. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, but how, is that hard? Is it harder to motivate yourself in this way because you haven't got those pressing deadlines or do you make fake deadlines? You know what I mean? that kind of, <laughs> do you give yourself that kind of.
1: <laughs> I, get, I guess I there are not so much fake deadlines. I just, I, I have to divide my, my big projects have sub smaller projects and I need to be pushing forward. Yeah, on those sense, yeah. and, and say like, okay, this is the thing that I need to do. This is what I need to do this week to move that project forward. Um, so it's. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a different kind of, yeah, different kind of time management. Uh, um, but still it's about tasks and tactics towards larger strategies. Um, yeah. uh, and sometimes I look back on my week and I so said, oh, really, yep. yeah, smaller muscles. I look back in the week and I say, Oh, did I, did I move things forward the way I wanted to? And, and some weeks, yes, definitely other weeks. I was like, Oh no, I got stuck on something. <laughs> that's the way it kind of works how do you lead a team
0: globally from you're in new york and you've never met and are there any specific things that you do to kind of build that rapport or is it mainly having one-to-ones with people and things like that or
1: it's a combination one-to-ones you know connect as people just as i would do with any with anyone else but also um i have found especially in my first months i i mean i'm i'm reliant on the team that i manage every day uh, you know, that for them to do the work that they know how to do and, and to bring their talents to their, to their role. Uh, I was very reliant on them in a particular way when I started, which was to help me understand the organization and to help me, uh, yeah. understand how decisions are made and, and, uh, you know, who, who, who does what and who works on what project and that sort of thing. Uh, and they, they were, you know, yeah. I was coming from often with questions like, Exp- explain this to me, how does this work? And, and also it, it wasn't identical in every office. So it was, you know, really kind of helping, ha- they were a little bit kind of translating the office for me. Um, and so that, I think was very intensely the way it was in the beginning. On uh, now, after I've been here for a few months, I, I'm also really reliant on them still for that, but also because we are starting to make some changes in our organization how how we structure ourselves how we do work what, what's the makeup of our team we're starting to make some changes there and i yeah. it's really important to me that they have buy in into those changes and they don't feel like those changes have simply been laid out you know from on it's high or away, something yeah, yeah it's not, and i yeah. And this is the biggest organization i've ever worked for but i know i had friends who've worked in offices of larger firms and in and, and sometimes I, I heard I remember this a friend I won't say she works for she at the time she was working for a, a, uh, an engineering firm and I'm not I won't say who it is or what firm but she was in the U.S. office okay. of a non-U.S. engineering firm and she said you know we're getting these kind of decisions these kind of new materials Dictates. that are being made uh, yeah that are, that are coming from the the main office and we don't; they don't really make sense for our market, but we're being told that we need to use them, and I, I, it will. It really stuck out in my yeah. head, like that. That was a very bewildering experience. So, uh, I and and it demotivated her, and she's she's a very bright person and good at her job, and so it's been really important to me that yes, we are in, uh, in our team. Yes, I am the leader of this team, but good ideas can come from anywhere, and mm-hmm. Good yeah. ideas that are actually effective need to have buy-in from the team. So I look at the, at, at the, at our managers and say, this is what I'm seeing. This is a problem. And I think, and here's my hunch on how we could fix it. But, but tell me what you think, poke holes in my theory, yeah. challenge it or, or add to it, improve upon it. And, and tell me, and because I really, if we're going to do this, if we're going to make this change, I want it, it, it ha- all of you need, it needs to a, work for you and it needs to then be supported by you. Uh, so that, that is also something that I've been really intentional about. Um, and even when we were setting the priorities for our team, I said, this is what I'm, this is what I'm seeing here kind of the top 10 or 10 things that we could work on. Will you help me prioritize it, uh, based on what you feel, what you're seeing? Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed it. And frankly, I, I think they enjoyed it too. I, you know, I, I think, (laughs) but but I also think we're getting, we're getting better strategies from that. Uh, yeah. because it's been tested, at least mentally tested by some of the people who are closer to their markets first. Well,
0: I think that's the thing, isn't it? When you when you look at things as a global strategy, it's like, how can everything be global when you're looking at the built environment and we all work to different rebus stages, you no know, different building standards, build different, you know, and it's, you're dealing with so many different climates, you're dealing with so many different material, you know, there's all these differences and it's kind of like, you want a global strategy, but there also has to be, I guess, local sensitivities in there. Yeah, definitely, and, definitely. And those, and, and those guys are definitely going to be the best people that can sort of turn around and go, actually, that doesn't really translate well here. And this is what's going on. So, yeah. No, yeah. And, I, and, sense.
1: and we have to we have to listen to that. Right. We can't just be kind of so certain that 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 one way works. I think particularly I mean, I'll give you just like a, a very small example, but I think it's revealing Uh you know, how to make sure that our marketing collateral exists not only in eight and a half by eleven, but also in A4. Oh my goodness. Like you know <laughs> Oh, that's hard.
0: Letter. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, letter or A4. And I and I, you know, it's it's something that um it, it's so little, but it means a lot to our teams in our team in London, our team in Hong Kong. Yeah. Like we, we can't just have materials that look good in one shape and then just like, oh let's just squeeze it and make it a little skinnier and then it's it'll be the same. Uh, or even with, with spelling, right. I mean, this, you know, I was very aware of this when I, when I worked at big, cause I was in the U S office and, uh, and so, you know, Copenhagen is the headquarters. And, and when we first opened the office in New York, uh, my colleague who oversaw or who was involved with uh, our business development in Europe, outside of the Nordics, yes. who was British he, he had done, he was, you know, of course everyone in Denmark speaks English very well, uh, but he had written a lot of the text and it checked it. And there was a lot of, there was not so much Britishisms, but there was British spelling. And yeah, like yeah. I said, there's a lot of extraneous use, uh, <laughs> flavor, neighborhood.
0: You guys use Z's or Zs as you call
1: them, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Zs saying, and Ss. Yeah. So, and, uh, and I, you know, it was really important to us landing in the U.S. that we be seen, you know, we aren't trying to fool anyone, and tell, you know, so that they think that we're all Americans, but we don't want to, there's moments where being foreign is to your advantage and there's moments yeah. when being foreign is not to your advantage. And so being very intentional about that. So we've actually, we've been having the same conversations. It's the reverse here because we're an American firm and, and they're, uh, so colleagues in London, you know, yes, we need things in A4 and yes, we should probably be using British English for our, for our materials yeah, for it's so office. difficult
0: though isn't it but also i mean I'm, i worked for an ed tech company for a year and we had offices in the u.s as well and one of the things that came across was like they were like we produce a brochure and they go actually we only just need one side we only like things really short in the u.s which i which was completely different which i hadn't mm, heard of before yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there was also a length for the size difference and it's like
1: oh okay that's another thing. It's yeah. like,
0: yeah, we keep it short.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, these Americans have a very short attention span. No, I, I think there's also, yeah, there's how you talk about projects that, you know, wanting to, um, Well, also it's, you know, it's really important that our, our projects in, you know, I'll just keep using the UK, that, those, yeah. uh, that we can talk about them in a way that makes sense for a, uh, a British audience uh that they that there's i mean i wouldn't say there's like vast cultural differences between the us and the uk but there's enough that if we if we don't if we don't just remind ourselves that we have to think about it you can you can miss stuff uh and you can come across seeming like you don't like oh if they don't understand this difference in language maybe they're not going to understand this difference in culture this difference in how in how we work uh and i mean Mm -hmm. i will say that one thing that's incredible working at a global firm yes we're based in the US but we are our our my colleagues are wildly uh, global you know people are people are from all sorts of places all languages you know it's so kind of anywhere we'd work we have someone who probably knows something about the area because it's where they're from uh, so that you know it's, it's not yeah. like it's, it's not like a total translation process it's just it's just important to us that on the, on the marketing and business development side that we are being respectful of that and mindful of that
0: yeah I think I it. say it's just a fine balance isn't it of just being aware really um yeah. so I guess one of the reasons that you were brought into your current role was to kind of strengthen the whole kind of role of BD Can you explain what you're kind of doing in this area, or or your long-term vision is, or the long-term vision is for the firm in the kind of business development area, and where you're looking to kind of take things and how?
1: Yeah, happy to. (laughs) Um, So my my goal for our, or I was (laughs) saying, our goal for business development and marketing at, at SOM is that we want to be as excellent at business development and marketing as we are at architecture and planning and engineering and we, you know, it SOM is a firm that has incredible pride of, uh, of thought and of craftsmanship and incredible, you know, kind of the, the legacy of the work that we, that we do, our buildings and our projects stand the test of time. Yeah, And that's because there's just extremely talented, thoughtful, long thinking people who work here, who work on those projects. Yeah. And it is, our goal that we are just as thoughtful and strategic and careful and curious, uh, uh, as we're as excellent at business development marketing as we are at design. And that, uh, that has actually been something that's, it it is in a way easy to rally around because people at SOM are very proud of the work that they do. Um, so, so that I think has resonated with a lot of people. Um, I would say guess going back to your question and what are what are we what are we working on? Uh, a lot of what I found in my career, and this isn't this isn't specific to SOM, but just working with architects and planners and designers in general, is that there's a lot of mystery around business development. There's a lot yep. of you know people. It's like someone has a magic wand and they wave it and projects appear. And I think that that is deeply harmful to a profession that is a is professional services, right? That we we only yeah. work if someone has engaged us to work. Of course, there's speculative projects. Of course, there's research. Yes, but for the most part, the bulk of our work is done with clients. So, if uh, I think that as a profession, there there isn't enough conversations about what business development is and uh, yeah. like high level and what it is like low level, what day. are the small day to day? Yeah. Uh, and so I define for me, business development is everything that we do to get work. And so that is an incredibly broad definition. Uh, that's everything from, yes, it's proposals and RFQs or PQQs. Yes, it's responding to those. Yes, it's marketing collateral. Uh, uh, but it's also relationships. It's really, it's really it's relationships and strategy and storytelling <laughs> is how is how I've really defined it. So it's it's about the relationships that we that we have with people and the ones that we want to have. It's about the strategy, how are we gonna get there? what are we gonna you know how what are the steps to to get in front of it? and then it's about storytelling. How do we engage people in uh, in the work that we do through how we talk about it, how we take them through it. Um, so, yeah, okay, so we're now. Uh, where do I take it from there? I, I, I think it's really important um, to demystify that and to have conversations about where work comes from. And I think sometimes, you know, one thing that gets is misunderstood about what we do, I would say business development yes. marketing people is that, you know, they say, you know, say, oh, we'll, we'll hire someone and then they'll tell us the strategy. And I think a really, really good business development person isn't good because they have all the answers. It's they're good because they know how to ask really good questions and they know how to stay to yeah. take the answers to those questions and to build out a roadmap of, okay, of like of, of, of action, of implementation. Uh,
0: so And I think the thing is you're yeah. also equip you're equipping them as well with with those skills, aren't you? Because in Absolutely. some ways you want to harness the whole firm, right? So that's your worry is going out to actually do BD, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Rather I mean, we work, architecture. Person. Yeah, arch- yeah. I mean, architecture is is primarily a you know in the doer seller model. There are other firms that there are some firms that have that have different models, but I think you know the 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 dominant one is doer seller. And I say that I think it is yeah. a good model as long as we are very clear about its strengths and its weaknesses. And the strengths are that the people who are selling they know the work, they can speak very specifically to the, what it takes to, to get a building built or, uh, or to get a, a master plan created yeah. and, and adopted. Uh, but, uh, but it's weaknesses. are re- There are two primary weaknesses and that to me is bandwidth and, uh, uh yeah. like time <laughs> and the competency and comfort and confidence in, in the seller aspect of it. Uh, and so, if you don't address those two, then then the model doesn't work. Uh, so that's also what we're having conversations about here: is um, what can we do to have co- be very open and 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 honest about bandwidth and how much time should people be spending on it and, yeah. and, and doing what? Uh, and then the the compet- competency and and confidence. You know how how do we Making make sure feel that confident, people? Yeah, yeah. How, how make sure that people feel prepped and ready to go. And that doesn't just mean that they have like a marketing brochure in hand. Uh, I think that's, that's the other challenge and is that people don't feel ready <laughs> until someone has given them a deck and then they're like, oh, okay, now I'm just going to go out. I have this deck. I can, now I'm ready. But that's, that's half the battle, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not, that's, that's like necessary, but not yeah, sufficient. Yeah. I mean, not.
0: I think when I worked in-house, there was a lot where people would go, I really need a brochure before I have a brochure. I can't really do BD or I can't really have that conversation. And you're kind of like, you could just pick up the phone. (laughs) (laughs) But it it kind of is, isn't it? And I think it's a bit of a crutch in a way that people are kind of like, oh, I need this before I can do this. And it's like, actually, you could just have a conversation on what you've just read, or you could just share an article that you've seen, or, you know, like there's lots of kind of different things you could be doing, which could be classed as BD. But I think you know, people want that traditional, I've got something in my hand, I can go out now to somebody, which is, which is, yeah, I think it's it's, it's that emotional thing as well.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I do think it becomes, it can become a crutch. And, and uh, also, I, you know, I, I think about, how, you know, when I'm having conversations with my colleagues about this, um, it's not, it's not fair because they, they are, they are deeply expert in, in what they do for a living. So it's of not, um, I, you know, I, it's very important to me to never be seen as dismissive of their concerns or, or, or like, I don't care, or just, no. you know, buck up and just go do it. Just call someone, but to really <laughs> understand like psychologically, like what is, what is holding you, what is holding you back? And let's, and let's talk about that. You know, so it's a little bit like being a, I guess a, 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 <laughs> a coach a coach, <laughs> or like a, like a peer, like, a, like I, 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 that's an important role that I yeah. want to play for my colleagues at SOM. Just as I would say, if I ever had a question about how you design a building I want, I want to be able to go to them and have them explain to me, oh, you know, this is, uh, you know, if there's a certain building type that I want to understand, I want to be able to have that conversation where they explain it to me. And similarly, I want them to come to me where if there's anything that they have concerns or or questions about, uh, to, to equip people, not only with, you know, good, thoughtful marketing collateral, but also the recognition that as human beings, they already have a lot of the qualities that it would take to be effective yeah. at business development, especially as designers. I mean, this is the thing that always blows my mind is that design. Okay. Some, there are some egomaniac designers out there who, who would, who would happily design without ever talking to the client, but the really, really good architects, let's just to say, we're t- just talking about architects. Listen. They are, they, they, they ask good questions, right? When you, ha- when you come in and you're yeah. trying to understand the brief and you want to understand what the client's goals are, like you're asking them questions and you're tell me what's important to you. Tell me what's not working right now. And, and this is very kind of curious uh, mentality. And, and so I, yeah. I, we talk a lot about how do you bring that curious open mentality to business development? So if you're meeting with a potential client for the first time, it, you know, it's not just about you, yammering on about the projects that you've done it's also about it's mostly about you building a relationship with the client understanding what matters to them and then pulling you know pulling some examples out based on the things that they've said are important to them rather yeah. than coming in with some like prescriptive slide or, or you know Case slide vibration. deck you're to, yeah lecture yeah. at them like i already made this so i'm going to talk about it no matter what you say is important to you i'm just going to show you this uh and that also that is that's where it can really become a crutch um, and, 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 yeah, so I guess instead of tapping into that latent natural curiosity that I think, uh, good architects, planners, and engineers have, uh, and, and say like, let's bring that to business development.
0: That's so true. And it's, um, I did an event last week for BuildUp, which is like an architecture marketing uh, group, that I am in, mean, and we had some architects talking and they were talking small practices and they were talking about where their work comes from. And they were like, you know, when we look back over the past year for our first year, a lot of it is all linked to cycling. So we've people we've met on like, you know, charity cycle rides, we go to cycling events and like they were literally like, all our work is linked to cycling. But yeah. that's them networking, <laughs> doing something they're passionate about. Yeah. yeah. And then they're building relationships. So, you know, I think that kind of thing is where people think it's something else, but it's not. It's this is how it works.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like showing, again, like showing up as a, as a, as a whole person and then natural and then relationships will naturally be formed. And then if they're, and then finding a way, I guess maybe that's the thing is finding that way is how do you parlay that into, into work? Uh, and it can be tricky, right? Not everyone's, not everyone's, you know, extracurricular (laughs) passions will clearly line up with, with business development opportunities. Uh, and that's okay too. Like sometimes it's just good to have an extracurricular (laughs) interest. Uh, but how nice when it, how nice when it does and how insightful that they were able to see that about oh, themselves. Yeah. That's cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, there were some people they were a small practice, but they'd set up their own CRM. So they, they tracked everything. So, I, you know, I was like, I'm so impressed. Like, I really, yeah. really was because it was like, yeah, honestly, I was like, whoa, I need to get back on doing that. Um, yeah. No, they were brilliant. <laughs> I was just so impressed by that. <laughs> um, so how do you get people fired up to want to do marketing and BD?
1: Well, I guess there's, there's both like a, the carrot and the stick model, right? Like there's... Uh, yeah you know right the the stick is that we have we have goals uh and we need to meet them globally so like we just got to do it uh and that probably works for a certain percentage of our of our group um i guess i guess the others you know i i some people it's not terribly hard to get them well let's see let me think this through how do you get people fired up <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I, I guess I just go back to what I was saying before is that I think by di- demystifying it a bit by by showing them that it's not some foreign yeah. thing it's not some like like performance yeah. they have to do <laughs> uh, that yeah. I don't know if it gets them fired up, but I, I think it's more about relieving anxiety. <laughs> How do we relieve anxiety about business development? We, you show yeah. them that it's that it's not a it's not a for a performance that they have to do. I also think really making things, Bite-sized and and focused. Yeah. Who are we trying to have a meet with? What do we want to happen in this meeting? How did the meeting go? What is our follow-up? What is our next step? The kind of really breaking things down into bite-sized. Saying, yeah, pieces saying. of work. Yeah, uh, that yeah. helps. Uh, again, because that, that's you know going back to the challenge of the doer seller model is that most of the people that I'm working with well, all of you I'm working with are very busy, but, uh, they are, their head is in their project and their projects as it should be. That's what makes them really good at their job is that they're very, you know, they are 80 to 90% of their time they're spent working on our specific projects. So the other challenge is, um, when they, when they raise their heads up and they have some time, whether it's five minutes or half an hour or half a day, what, how do we make sure that, we, that, that they know what to do with that time? What's the thing they can do in five yes. minutes? What's the thing they can do in half an hour? What's the thing they can do in half a day? And that is what I'm also shifting for our team is I want our team to be kind of at the ready. I want our team to be creating beautiful, convincing, uh, enticing marketing collateral, yes. But I also want yeah. them to be uh, keeping us thinking about those medium and long-term goals and so that when someone's like, I have some bandwidth, they go, okay, remember yeah. that you had that task. That was a thing you were going to call it. You're going to call this person. You were going to set up a coffee with this person and, and gonna kind of be ready with when, when people have the time that we're ready with a, an action, something they can do.
0: But I love I love the way that you said that actually, when you said like the five minutes they've got half a day and like actually chunking the task into that because then you suddenly go actually i've got a two-hour window here right okay this is what i can achieve for you and that's really yeah. lovely because then you're, you're giving them like a shopping menu aren't you of right like, this is <laughs> the level of <laughs> well it does work yeah. and, and i was thinking yeah like,
1: well i fast- also i'm chuckling because i i gave a presentation in the spring where i i said that too often we think about business development and like the, the activities is there's kind of 2 they're too rarefied. And so I gave the, the, the analogy of, you know, going to a, a, a fine, a fine dining experience where you don't even, you're not even ordering off the menu. You're being told what you're going to have. And there's five <laughs> things. And, yeah. and I said to them, like, I don't, that can't be the way that we do business development. We can't just have five things that people can do. And so, and I, I said, I recognize yeah. I'm speaking to a global audience, but anyone who has spent maybe a little time in the U S and can pretend that they're not a food snob. Perhaps they've been to this restaurant called the cheesecake factory, which has a menu, which is about like an encyclopedia and it's, and you can get every kind of food. It's like, you yes. want Jamaican jerk chicken. There it is. You want like Thai food. There it is. And you want Italian food. Like it's, it is an, it is an absurd menu. It's amazing
0: and, though. I've been yeah.
1: to Vegas. <laughs> exactly. It is exactly <laughs> what you would eat. When you go to Vegas. And, and so I said, and I was like, this is, we need to have this expanded menu of business development activities so that when you have time, we have something that you could do. And that all helps us move this kind of towards this larger goal of X, you know, it's, so uh, that, that's something that I think is a I, new, a new way of thinking about it. <laughs> And, I was like,
0: I, and you can have prizes where you give people like vouchers for the cheesecake factory. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. The worry that, actually- they're gonna be, that they're going to be they're going to be like, I don't like, I don't understand what she means. Like, is yeah, is whoever reaches their sales target needs to have dinner with me in the cheesecake factory. I did, however, learn that when I, 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 I gave that. this presentation, that that uh, one of my colleagues who works a lot in the Middle East told me that there is actually a cheesecake factory. I think I don't know if she said it was in Dubai or. Abu Dhabi, but somewhere she was like, "There, there is one." I was like, "Oh, uh, you're welcome!" Like, I said, like yes, America's yes. greatest export product is the cheese <laughs> factory. Like, yeah.
0: Anyhow, I do <laughs> like it though. But I mean, I mean, Ameri- Amer- American portions are huge, though. That's the only thing. <laughs> <Yes>. um, so, <laughs> so to my kind of a uh, final question. So, what one tip ah. would you give to business leaders looking to make their mark in this crazy year of 2021?
1: Yes. And that was the one where, Oh, I know my, my thought. So I was thinking about this the other day when I was reading this question. Uh, I think my recommendation would be use this kind of craziness, this kind of insanity as a re a point of resetting and of not panicking, yeah. but of saying, what have we learned from this year that, what do we need to be doing forever now going forward? Uh, You know, I I have a lot of conversations or I remember I've had a couple conversations with partners here at SOM where they where they've asked, you know, well, is this, you know, would we have a different strategy in a crisis year than we would in a in a in a non-crisis year? And I said, no, like a lot of what I'm talking about here are business development fundamentals like these. These are good habits and good practices that would serve us in good times and in bad so I think using this year as yeah. a time to say, whoa, there was so much uncertainty, so much unsteadiness, so much trauma, uh, but how do we use this as a place to yeah. kind of reset and say "This is; these are our good habits going forward? Uh, so, I mean, I, I've heard people say, like, never, never waste a good crisis. I mean, that's a very privileged thing to say, right? Uh, uh, but yeah. – and I recognize that, you know, some firms have uh, – have not weathered this a lot of businesses haven't weathered this so i i I recognize the privilege of 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 that statement but i think to use it as a as a reset and a place to establish good habits would be the the uh the advice that i would give fantastic
0: thanks so much even that was brilliant (laughs) Uh, and thank you for your time today and for doing the interview thank you so much
1: my pleasure it was fun to do
0: Thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of Marketing in Times of Recovery. And I'm your host, Iowa Bass. If you want to find out more about the bi-weekly show, do check out the show notes, which will give you more information about who the guests are and all the things we've covered. Uh, And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on an episode. Until next time. Bye.